Welcome back to another Ag Watchers. Uh, just just Matt and myself on to do a market update. We're probably the the only market commentators that never actually talk about markets, Matt. We haven't we haven't done a market update mm. in a while, have we? No, but sometimes uh, you know it's like it's uh, parts of the season where there's not a lot always going on. It's you know worthy of of the podcast. It, you know, it's no point coming on and going. You know, the ecchi went up three cents and grain went up, you know, a dollar fifty or something. I guess it's a bit like we 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 work in markets every single day. We write about markets every day in our in our day job, and this is a hobby. I guess if you were if you were working McDonald's flipping burgers, you wouldn't be that keen on you know necessarily going home and making some more burgers. You know, it's a bit like that. So. Could so, be, could be the worst, the worst person to work on their cars and mechanics type thing, I guess. Well, hairdressers have always got bad hair, is what my mother says. So, <laughs> I'm more interested in what your auntie Julie says. She says like she knows what she's doing. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's 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 our, our number one listener. So, yeah. quick update on the markets there. Let's let's start with with grains. Uh, look, again, it sounds like a broken record, but. Canada is is one of the biggest things this week, I think, in the market. No surprises. You know, Canada's decreased its canola production down to 12.8 million. Look, that was largely in line with expectations, probably slightly higher than some expectations, but around about average, I would say, in terms of where the trade and where most market analysts were expecting it. So no no real surprise, uh, but it's always good for the government to actually uh, confirm what we're all thinking. Uh, the big the big impact of that is that you know 12.7 million tons that leaves them with very little left to export you know they're going to end up you know with 75 percent of their canola going into the domestic market typically it's about under 50 percent i think it's an average of 48 percent since 2010 so what that tells me from a basic supply and demand is that they are going to have bugger all to export. They are going to have an empty pantry by the time that they come to the next harvest this time next year. And, you know, as a country that supplies 60% of the world's canola stroke rapeseed, uh, and us being the second highest at around about 20%, we are in pole position for our canola. And we're seeing some pretty good prices for canola for, for this coming harvest. Uh, but I do think it's probably a good time to start thinking about, you know, what we're going to do for next harvest. And you know, we, if we look at the forward curve, we can see ice futures at you know seven hundred and fifty dollars a ton for next harvest. Look, that is a good price because typically we have a premium over ice futures. So if we went back to a normal situation, you're talking seven hundred and fifty plus, let's say plus thirty dollars a ton. You know. We're talking like a 780. You know that is a good price any other year. So it's good. And, idea and to limited start. Li- limited risk would it be, Andrew, that that that's going to change much coming into next harvest? Uh, well, oh, is that like, right? like, like who knows? Who knows what the scenario is, Matt? Like what happened? Like mm. at the end of the day, Canada could have another crap crop, and then it could go to back state. It would just maintain that sort of 900 to, you know a thousand dollars a ton range and then you've got a contract which is you know 750 bad price traditionally a good price but a bad price in comparison however what happens if Canada goes back to its normal trend line yields 
and you know that 750 becomes a 650 yeah, yeah still 650 mm. still a good price but you've locked away a little bit at 750 you know it's mm. all about it's all about averages there's nothing nothing complex about it lock a tiny little bit away and and see what happens and and if the worst price you get is 750 for a year not bad um, mm. but no, speaking of a good point you make that was is about the averages like and you're trying to pick stuff to lock away to you know you know if you're trying to pick the tops and pick the bottoms you're um you're never going to be able to do that and if you do every, get it occasionally because of it everyone who aims for the top of the market does worse than somebody who just aims for an average and having a strategy around it but speaking of the forward and speaking of the future you know we're, we're talking about you know harvest 2022 2022 sorry uh, but fertilizers, the other issue, big talking points at the moment. A lot of farmers are thinking, what the hell is happening? Man, we are, when we're getting a quote, the price of urea and DAP is going through the roof. Uh, and we're seeing that, you know, when we look at uh, pricing in the US and in the US Gulf, you know, in the past month, we've seen pricing of DAP increase by, you know, 70 odd dollars a ton to 970. At the same time, urea is up. You know, from 460 to you know 580, and and, and slightly above in Aussie dollar terms, and they, these are, these are big jumps in in a very short period of time, and 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 the the driver of that at the moment is the fact that this Hurricane Ida has come through, destroyed a whole bunch of infrastructure. You know, barges have sunk, bridges are down, facilities have don't have power, uh, so it's very much potentially a short term situation. And we aren't seeing quite the same jumps in other origins, you know, our urea from the Middle East and our DAP from China, which is where we get most of our products. Uh, so the big question is, you know, what happens over the next week and fortnight with those fertilizer prices? Uh, but, you know, we're talking fertilizer prices that have gone absolutely bonkers in the last couple of weeks. And you know, the big concern for farmers as we're coming into a period of starting to, you know, do our purchasing for, for next year. Um, but mm. we'll probably talk more on that in a bit more detail in the coming week. Uh, but look, it's just, again, big rise in prices and uh, we'll just have to see what happens. But largely at the moment, the biggest rise is in the US Gulf, which is down to local logistics. And and that's just a, a bit of a concern. What mm, about what about yeah, livestock? What, what's happening with that? You know, in Brazil we had the BSE, and they they went all back to normal. They were able they they halted halted exports to China because they found BSE, and then they've said, oh, that's okay. We're going to deliver to China. What's what's happening there? Yeah, uh, has been it's been actually some interesting developments offshore and domestically, but um, the whole Brazilian. Uh, situation they were trying to be a bit proactive get on the front foot and um, and temporarily halt exports because of BSE uh, two cases in in two two separate regions of Brazil um, but then you know Brazil has said a couple of days back now that uh, they're right to resume I think it was late last week actually um, but the Chinese are, are not as comfortable about that and there's been a handful of other um, nations that take Brazilian product as well you know, Indonesia, there's a couple in the Middle East, I think, as well, and a few other Southeast Asian ones that have expressed some concerns still about taking product there, including China. So, um, yeah, it's, it's not over yet, and, and that kind of uh, supply chain disruption, I guess, has, has impacted global uh, beef markets a little bit. Um, 
So we saw a similar thing back when Argentina you know, self-imposed their 30-day ban on exports. We saw a bit of a flurry in that time with Chinese buyers chasing some stock and that caused a bit of a shortage in the US and we saw prices go up there, which then flowed through you know, and benefited some of our the markets we go into as well. So um, it's one of those domino type effects and I think this Brazilian thing has been a similar thing this this time around we've seen if you look at something like the 90CL which is a a good indicator for export prices into the US and and, and a type of a, a, a price relationship that tends to um, lead what happens with our ECI here locally um, the 90CLs in US dollar US dollar terms or US cents a pound is up at um, seasonal peaks this year not as high as it's been ever but it's still pretty high at around 270 US cents a pound. Um, that puts it at about um, 800 odd cents a kilo in Aussie dollar terms. So about 200 cents below the Eki where the Eki's trading now. But the fact that the 90 CL has been going up has is, is kind of been one of the reasons why um, it's allowed for you know prices here to, to lift a bit as well when we've got higher export prices. It gives us a bit more room to, to push higher here. And that's what we're seeing this week as well. Argentina is the same as yes. well. That'll be having an impact on it. Yeah, that's right. It's it, it's it's kind of assisted, you know, that those kind of supply chain issues and and issues around exports with some of our um, competitor nations. They're not our key ones, of course, um, but they, they they're important enough to a few markets that can have an impact. And and it's also a displacement issue as well that if Argentina and Brazil aren't providing to one part, then other providers, you know, put stock into there, and then it creates a, a gap somewhere else. And you know, when you're in a tight supply globally, then then you know it makes an impact and it flows all the way through the chain. So that's what we've seen here as well. Um, obviously, the Eki is is has increased, and we're about five cents short from the nominal high. Um, ten twenty six was the close yesterday, and ten ten thirty one was the high about you know or a month ago maybe. Um, so we're we're kind of nearing that kind of highs again to see if we can you know breach higher again. Um, We'll have to wait and see what happens over the next few days. But, you know, we've seen that happen. Global factors of health, but there also we've seen um, some pretty steady buying activity, both from restockers and feedlots. Um, if you go back to the last peak, Andrew, uh, the, the restockers were the big drivers of the volume um, and also paying the higher prices, whereas this time around, we've actually seen restockers or Eki cattle going to restockers, the volumes dropped a little bit. They're about 41% of the volumes going through the sale yard at the moment are being bought by restockers and about 46% of the Yaki cattle are being bought by feedlots. Um, so the, you know, the feedlots are taking the bigger share, but the the, um, the restockers are actually paying more on average for, the, for those young cattle. The restockers are paying about 10.90 cents on average, whereas, um, whereas feedlots are paying about 10.07. Um, you know, and if you think that the headline Yaki is 10.26, you can see that Restockers are chasing the types they want a bit, a bit more aggressively and prepared to dig into their pockets, and, and that's, I guess, a sign that they're pretty confident paying those high prices that the season's going to stay pretty good, and that's what it's looking like through spring with um, with the, the chances of, a, of an extended La Nina event um, developing in the Pacific and a wetter spring for the East Coast. That's all good good news for the for the um, producer, uh, and it's probably going to carry through to next season where we're going to continue to see this rebuild activity and reasonably strong prices um, for next year as well. Um, it's probably you know, a couple of years' worth of Australian cattle prices being at a premium to, to the 
offshore prices uh, for a few years uh, while we rebuild. Well, I think it's it's just a, like that Lenina one's an interesting one because it seems to be getting closer and closer and obviously a big impact typically on the East Coast at the very least. Uh, mm. The other thing impacting at the moment is COVID. You know, we're we're sort of very, the two of us are very close to 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 lockdown areas of, of Ballarat and Melbourne. Uh, but there's you've been talking a bit in recent times about uh, double uh, and also the, yeah. the the meat works getting closed. What's yeah, what's that's the, right. What's that, um, yeah, so um, you had Fletch, Fletcher's um, decided to shut a few weeks back uh, for for a week. In, and that's obviously um, their processing area there was the Dubbo plant for Fletcher's. So that causes a bit of a disruption, more so to the sheep and lamb markets for that week. Um, but what happened there was that producers looked like they just um, didn't didn't present as many there because they knew Fletcher's weren't buying, so they just didn't, you know, the, the actual throughput came down. So prices were actually supported, curiously enough. Um, it was one of those things where... The demand was reduced because Fletchers weren't buying, but then the supply reduced further, so the prices ended up being supported for that week. Um, but now we've had a closure of the Dubbo sale yard uh, a week ago because of the COVID outbreak. So, and we've got another week to go before that sale yard reopens, and that had a, a bit of an impact to throughput again, particularly in New South Wales. Um, for those that don't know, Dubbo is a significant sale yard both for cattle and for sheep and lamb, so it's probably the fifth highest volume per annum um, in terms of cattle around the nation uh, say outside and it's the sixth highest um, for sheep and lamb volumes um, so it took a big chunk out um, in terms of throughput the cattle for new south wales was down about 32 percent and their sheep were down about i think 31 percent um, last week you know in terms of in terms of volumes there so a bit of a supply hiccup uh, and then we've got, you know, the ongoing kind of issues in Victoria with um, with workforce restrictions because of COVID to the metropolitan Melbourne abattoir. So that was seen a bit of a, a shift around of stock going through, um, you know, a couple of weeks back, you know, sheep were not being favoured and they were, you know, slaughter for sheep were down by about 40%. And now this week, um, sheep have recovered back to kind of normal seasonal levels, uh, but lambs have, have dropped away a bit um, if you compare where lambs would normally be um, getting processed at in terms of you know the five-year trend uh, this time of year you'd expect to see about 175,000 head of lamb processed a week in Victoria and at the moment they're sitting at about 146,000 head so you know 30 odd thousand head short of, um, of where you'd expect them to be um, so it seems there's a bit of a juggling act going on in the processes trying to find you know kill space for what they've got to process um, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes as well because if um as you said, we've got COVID spreading out into near, near to us, and if if it gets into, I think there was an announcement that there was COVID in one of the Goulburn abattoirs a couple of days back, which is a reasonably small one, I believe. But if it gets out into a big abattoir in Victoria in the regions, that's going to cause us real grief coming into the spring flush. Yeah, uh, well, fingers crossed. Hopefully, hopefully we get back to you know some form of normality in in the near future. Uh, but but generally. Things are looking good in terms of pricing. You know, cattle pricing is pretty strong. Oh, yeah. Price. yeah, yeah, for sure. Sheep, yeah, sheep pricing sure. is yeah. sheep pricing is strong. Wool price is recovering a little bit. Canola price is fantastic. Wheat price is is good. Uh, so we shall just see um, what what happens over the coming weeks. The only pricing that's performing poorly, I guess, from a market perspective, Andrew, is the wages for analysts. 
that's that's still kind of struggling at the low levels. Well, you know, like like I said, you know, before, it's uh, you know we've got to supplement that income by being by being pig farmers, don't we? Mm. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's that's where we make our crust from. You know, and, and mm. uh, we can always, if if lockdown wasn't wasn't on, we could hold his head down to uh, to Melbourne and and put our hats hats on the, the ground in front of us and in, in Flinders Street and see if we can collect a few coins. I, I could get the guitar out and we could sing a few tunes. Do you think we could? We could do we could do like the the Blue Bells, you know, Young at Heart, or you know, we could do a bit of you know Deacon Blue, maybe some Run Rig, maybe Proclaimers. <laughs> I don't know if anyone, well, the Proclaimers is probably the only one of those bands that anyone in Australia would know who they are. There's farmers who know who Dick If you want to go down the Scottish path of, of you know, good good quality Scottish slash Australian music, you've probably got to stick with Jimmy Barnes or, um, or, or Colin Hay from Men at Work. Yeah, Colin Scott, of course, you know. I think, I think we're probably more able to do the Proclaimers. I think that's probably more more our our, our talent set, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, we'll we'll leave it there because the idea of this was a quick a quick update on what's happening in the big drivers of the market without our normal bullshit. Um, yep. Uh, we had a lot of good guests on recently, and we try we'll probably try and do the market updates once a month or something. There's no point in doing it, like you say, no point in doing it once a week unless something major happens. You know, like you mm. say, it's it, it's not really that relevant. If people want market updates, they can go on to various market analysis websites, of, of which I know one, at least one, which is good. Oh, uh, mm, but, but yeah, uh, we've got some more guests on next week, which we've pre-recorded. You know, how professional is that? Pre-recorded for next week already. That's it. I think you're right. If, and if, if, look, if the listeners want to have the market update like this more frequently, um, we could always squeeze it in. Let us know if you want that as well as the guests. But... Andrew and I do tend to find the guests more interesting ourselves and we suspect that the listeners find the guests more interesting than listening to us waffle mm-hmm. on like a couple of old Muppets. Rattle on for 10 minutes about what's happening in the marketplace. Like, I know only Julie likes to listen to us have a chat but I think, uh, and your mum Linda like to have a, a chat with us and listen but um, I think the other listeners might want to listen to people like you know, Fiona Simpsons and your Mark Allison that we've had on recently. And, and, and we've got a very interesting one next week. But we'll That's leave it. that a surprise. Right up. Sounds good. Back to work. Hey, when you got Ciao for now.